1: Your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mister Gerald Briscoe, and we've got a treat today—one of the originals, one of the icons, the first lady of WCW, Miss Missy Hyatt. Missy, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. I love your show.
3: Thank, thank you so much, Missy. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, before we get rolling here, I'd, I'd like you know we we'd all lost a d- very dear friend this week, and I I heard from uh, his nephew, the Arndt Sheik, of course, is who i Oh I'm yeah, Cosgrove was was a very very funny man, a very great man for our business, and what a great heel he was. But his nephews called me, and something very near to his heart, and my heart, and John's, and I hope one day yours too, Missy is the uh Dan Gable wrestling hall of fame up in Waterloo Iowa with uh, Luthez, uh George Trager's uh, uh professional wrestling wing with it and and Lou Flowers sending to uh the Orange cheek. he will he will he wanted all the donations to be made to the to the George Trager's uh, Luthez Hall of Fame up there which I think is great from the yeah, family yeah that's uh, awesome his two nephews, I don't know if you've ever met them, uh, but uh, one of them is Paige, and I, I forgive me, I can't recall the other one, other's name, but uh, they've been texting me back and forth. When when I heard Sheik uh, passed away, I reached out to them because those two guys were very instrumental in keeping Sheik's legacy rolling and keep it going and everything, and I hope they continue to do that in, in their own unique way there, but they called me yeah. and said that, that, that was very dear to uh, Sheik and I told him we'd give him a shout-out to on today's podcast. That's cool. And so well. Yeah. So in you know, lieu of flowers know, to Sheik, uh, uh, said donations
1: to George Tregas, let say his Hall of Fame. You know what's cool about that, Jerry? You know, uh, Hogan made Hogan. So, you know, not not like, you know, the guy who right. drops the title to him. But she had to have a heel like Sheik right. to drop yeah. the title to him. You know, he had a really important role in Hulkamania getting started.
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. You need that heel. You need that guy that's going to make the baby face look like a superstar.
1: Well, speaking
3: of heels and although that guy, but that beautiful face beside that guy that that made that guy click a lot of times, I'm talking about you, Missy. You were so (laughs) instrumental in our business and you know, one of the true pioneers in in, in women's wrestling. I'm not putting you back there with Fabulous Moolah and the great Mae Young, but uh, the (laughs) modern... (laughs) the modern generation and you had a very very unique way of, of finding our business you're watching tv with your dad i understand and you okay. would and of course it was good old florida championship wrestling with the no, it was brothers.
2: georgia championship wrestling oh and, well, you, later, you later found
3: if you later found yes. georgia championship wrestling i understand but but yeah. uh dutchy roads and the briscoes and grams and kearns and all those guys but then your dad was flicking one day and passed And of all people you see, a very mutual friend of ours and a guy we love so much we've had on our show a few times, Michael P.S. Hayes. What an influence you showed right (laughs) off the bat. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that, that journey.
2: Well, you know, all I know is that I see my dad's changing channels and he flicks to the channel. there's Michael Hayes in the ring with Terry Gordy. They just put a baby bonnet on Terry Gordy's <laughs> head. They were, they were, they were turning on him and put a bottle in his mouth. And I told my dad, stop, stop. I want to watch this. I want to watch this. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And then I was like, you yeah, know, this is wrestling. I mean, I knew who Dusty Rhodes was, I mean, in Florida. Yeah. You know wrestling dusty roads that's synonymous, so but i didn't I didn't know they did it like weekly or nightly or anything like that. I had no idea i was I was a big mark and um I just totally freaked out I was like, oh my God, that's what I want to do when I get older I want to be in this business i want to I want to be there I want to be on TV I want to do that and it was just I'll never forget I'll never forget what they were doing. It was a pivotal time in my life
1: How old were you then
2: seventeen
1: Wow. And, and then what happened following that? Is that when you decided? Well, to start- then
2: um, <laughs> I ended up moving to Atlanta and I dated a couple of wrestlers and then uh, John Tatum started dating Johnny in Atlanta. And then we moved to Charlotte and he worked for Charlotte for about six months. And then um, he got a call for Dallas and we went, I went out to Dallas with him and um, I was sitting backstage and sunshine was a baby face at the time. And they didn't have a heel. And David Manning's like, hey, do you want to come to work here? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I was like, yeah, sure. What do I have to do? Go out and hit Sunshine with a purse. I can do <laughs> that, you know.
3: <laughs> that, that was your purse, the, the famous Gucci bag? That yes. Had, that yes. Did you have, just have that with you? Was that part Yeah,
2: of your... yeah. And, I mean, I was just like, do I want to use this one? Because I didn't have another one with me. <laughs> so I. we used it.
1: So I still it, have it. A, so when you met John Tatum, uh, you know, he and Michael Hayes pretty much kind of got in the business together they're out like of Pensacola, cousins. right?
2: They, well, they say they're cousins, but I don't think uh-huh. they really are. I'm not sure.
1: But that's how that's how Michael Hayes got into wrestling was because of John Tatum and his dad having the Pensacola Fairgrounds, right? Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So you said since Michael Hayes inspired you, did you talk to uh Hollywood about – Freebird.
2: oh he knew he knew about that because we met we like when we went out one night michael and his wife and me and john and i was still a mark you know <laughs> i was just like wow michael hayes <laughs> yes
1: me and I jerry still say that
2: he, he, he <laughs> is the best and to me he's just the best out there the best showman he's got music he's got that hair i mean just everything about it
1: is
3: awesome. Well, he still has the music, but he don't have so much hair in him. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, I heard about that. <laughs> well, now, in fairness, Mr. Briscoe, Michael has a lot of hair. It's just not like all the it's same. It's like yeah. here, it's- there. Well, I'm,
3: I'm one to talk about not having hair, but anyway. anyway. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what, what a what a strange choice because you're you're a very educated person uh from what you got your college degree. You you yes. you. you when did you decide you're going to go on to college and what uh, and 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 what was what was the process oh
2: it was it was when i was um, living in new york city after uh, i left wcw and stuff i i decided to, to go to college and get a degree in psychology i needed it before i got into business but anyway i think <laughs> yeah yeah it would help me out a whole lot but i um i uh Went to school. I I was a med tech first, and I worked for a doctor. And then I went to school and got my four year bachelor's. But I'm getting ready to go back to school now too in August. Because with a psychology degree, you got to have a bachelor. You have to have a a master's or a PhD to do anything in psychology. Really, I mean, there's just nothing out there for you.
3: Well, psychology and wrestling. uh, What a what a Two combinations that uh, you need one to go with the other sometimes i think exactly and i think exactly. if we'd all taken a few psychology classes uh <laughs> in school we would we would have been better in, in our business <laughs>
2: exactly exactly some forensic some forensic psychology
1: i think yeah. in the 80s in world-class championship wrestling in dallas a, a psychiatrist would go crazy
2: oh yeah definitely I don't Definitely. think
1: Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung together could have solved the problems <laughs> that you had in Dallas with those guys. So, so exactly. your, your
3: your friendship with John Tatum uh, was that uh, pre wrestling days too? Did yes. you know him in Pensacola? So you knew the. No, I didn't know him in
2: Pensacola. I met him in Atlanta. He came Atlanta. up to the Eagles Nest where a lot of the wrestlers lived, and this red convertible car with this bleach blonde hair, and I fell in love. Oh
1: wow. <laughs> And Big so guy
2: gets out. And I
1: was, just, I was in love. So when you moved to Atlanta, you weren't planning on going to college then?
2: No, no.
1: Just, I was planning just planning hanging on out, having a good time. That's I'm that's sorry, the what? place to do it.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh gosh, In the early '80s, Atlanta was hot. Atlanta, and I know why.
3: So who did you spot. know in Atlanta to to make you move to Atlanta and get close to these wrestlers? I mean,
2: nobody. Uh, yeah. I didn't know anyone. I just moved up there.
3: Just cold turkey moved up there just yeah. by chance of, ha- uh, 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 of of nature. You you happen to move into an apartment that had. John oh no, Tatum. I didn't
2: move into the apartments. The Eagle. Okay. I moved, I was living up in Dunwoody, but oh, I was hanging doesn't... out there with some girlfriends of mine. Uh-huh. You know, we'd go in there and sit at the pool and everything, and <laughs> and gossip.
1: Right. And you Chit- saw Hollywood John Tatum and thought that's who I want to gossip it. with.
2: Yeah, that's the man.
1: And then did you say you went to Charlotte with him first?
2: Yeah, we went to Charlotte first. And he but there was no there talk of me getting
1: in the business there.
2: No, no, they had baby doll. They didn't need me.
1: Uh, yeah, and for they those that did. don't remember or are old enough to know that you know there wasn't a lot of women in the business. You had generally had one or two and you know if you yeah. had if you had wrestlers, they literally would just kind of wrestle each other around the circuit because there weren't many wrest- women in wrestling.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, the ladies would come in and they would wrestle around. You know, for a couple of weeks, they would do the loop or whatever. Back then, in the eight, in the early eighties, but they didn't. They wouldn't stay there. They wouldn't stay in the territory. Mullah's girls, most of the time.
1: Right. So how long?
3: How long did you stay in Charlotte, you and John, till he got about six daughter? months?
2: I think six, six or eight months. He did was there. Did you have
3: any interest in getting inside the? business? Oh
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, I knew I wanted to be in there. I didn't. I knew I didn't want to wrestle because I don't have the talent to wrestle. I just don't have the common sense to be able to, to you know, know what I'm doing in there. You know, I'm supposed to wrestle on Lubbock coming up in a next month. I even bought a pair of boots. So I'm bringing them just in case. You know, I bet they're I I, you know,
3: more than old John Ash offered uh, $19, $20, whatever John Ash's uh, boots were. Back oh
2: before. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Definitely. But, but I knew I wanted to be in the business, but I remember me and Jake were up late one night when I, I was dating, I dated Jake Roberts before Johnny and uh, Jake and I were up late, late night. And I remember seeing sunshine and precious go at it on TV because they aired world-class in Atlanta. And I remember telling Telling Jake, I said, like, Oh my God, that's what I want to do. I want to be a valet. I want to do that. And he had sent my photos to world class, but they hired Baby Doll instead. So hey, I so guess
1: like, I already have, knew I wanted to be in business. After you used the Gucci purse for the first time, was that the sportatorium?
2: No, I think it was in Fort Worth.
1: Will Rogers.
2: Yeah, Will Rogers.
1: And then all of a sudden you were in the business and.
2: yeah. I was in the business. I still had my first paycheck too.
1: Wow. How much was it?
2: Fifty dollars. <laughs>
1: wow, that's about 35 about thirty-five more than what my first paycheck was. I
3: know.
1: It, it's forty more than mine. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh my gosh! I feel good,
2: but fifty dollars back in nineteen eighty-five—that's like you know hundred dollars now. So.
3: So you leave Charlotte and you go to, you go to world-class uh, out, out in Dallas and brother, man, are you bombarded with talent out there? I mean, not that Charlotte didn't have a lot of talent, but they were just starting to really what bust open at the time with all the Von Erickson. Yeah. All of a sudden here you are a little girl, girl from uh, Pensacola, Florida, standing in there and you see all these, and they were super charred. I mean, People just don't understand. Tell us a little bit about how over the, that, that talent group was. Out there.
2: Let me tell you, like back then, after being on TV for a few months, I didn't realize just how big wrestling was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We lived in Arlington, and I remember I, I went to like a Kmart or something to get some plants, and they didn't have the plants that I wanted. So the guy told me to go to this other Kmart. So I remember getting in my car, going to the other Kmart, and there was a guy out there with a big like um i don't know what you call it a big cart well all these plants for me to pick from and i thought okay we're like oh missy i here are these the plants that you want and i'm like how do you know my name you know? i was <laughs> like what did i do <laughs> am i gonna get arrested you know it was just like what's up with that but no they were big wrestling fans, and i remember going to the mall and having young girls follow me around well what are you gonna wear what are you gonna wear you know, are you here to buy something for TV and just the, just anywhere we went, people would just be so friendly and so opening. And we, and what really made us when we went to Israel, that was amazing going to Israel.
1: Yeah. I, I told Mr. Briscoe this a while back. I was in Texas recently, just a couple months ago. Yeah. And somebody was talking to me about a, a celebrity and they used this reference. They said, you know the guys like a guys like was like a Von Erich. He was so big, and th- this yeah. was just a couple of months ago. That's how the Von Erichs were everything. sort of so yeah. were the Freebirds, but so were Brian Diaz. I mean, they, everybody was. It, people oh, don't know, know how hot that With territory was.
2: Kerry and just made it amazing. I mean, like if you were at the airport and you saw Kerry walking through the airport, if you didn't know he was a wrestler, you knew he was a superstar. Just by he was yeah. either a professional football player or actor, you know, something. He was somebody, just the way he looked. He was a God.
1: And the way he carried himself.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: He just, he, some guys walk into a room and they just, everybody knows that's somebody and that, that's yeah. carried. It's yeah. hard to explain. So you got there right after David died, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. About a, probably about a year and a half after David died. Cause I worked at David, I worked one of the, I think in 86, was it 86, the, um, the uh, Texas stadium, I think it was either the second or third one, I can't remember, it's been so long ago, I've been right. hit in the head too many times, but yeah, but it, it was probably a couple years after David had passed, I never got to meet David, I wish I would have, because I heard he was so smart with the business,
3: yeah, he 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 was probably as far as business sense goes. Uh, uh, he was probably one of the most talented ones in the business sense, and, and also in the ring. David was phenomenal in the ring. Yeah, I, I had a great opportunity of working with him and all all the volunteers down here uh, in Florida, and so uh, yeah, David. Uh, but was you there when, when when the funeral happened and all that? Or no. was that, that was before. No, you? no, I wasn't there then.
2: Yeah.
1: Were the Freebirds still there?
2: Um. No, they 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 had left. I think they had gone to Texas or something. But they did come back. You know, they'd come in and out.
1: Or was that when they went up there and uh, Michael got fired by Andre the Giant?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> Andre the
3: Giant did fire Michael. He told you that on this show, John. <laughs> That's right.
1: The 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 rumor has always been that Andre the Giant fired Michael. And Michael. Oh my gosh. Michael corrects anybody who says it. So he, he told us the whole story on our show that Andre was the agent, but he didn't fire him. So he, oh, still, gets, okay. he still gets hot to this day when you bring that up too, for some <laughs> yeah. reason. I'm oh, I've got
2: to remember that if I ever see him. I'm going to say, I can't believe Andre fired you.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> he didn't correct you. When well. you say you're a lady, he's not going to correct you like he does. But...
1: <laughs> That's right. He cusses at us. Yeah, he's, he, cuss, he oh, says okay. bad words Josh. us you
3: got to have a great Michael Hayes story that, 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 uh, you're
2: well, what was great about him. This is my only really true Michael Hayes story is that I remember Johnny driving the car, me sitting in the car beside Johnny and Michael sitting in the back and he'd rub my shoulders. And I remember sitting there thinking I was like 21 or 22 at the time and going, to see him on TV when I was 17 and felt, you know, I mean, it was just like, it was so surreal. Like I was at a young age, I was having one of those really crazy surreal moments in my life. You know, it was just so nice to be around. he was such a great guy. He was so smart. Oh, he is so smart. I don't want to talk to him like in the past. I haven't talked to him. I, last time my song was at Dusty's funeral, but I haven't seen him. I hadn't seen him way many years before that. And I haven't seen him since Dusty's funeral, but. Yeah, I I remember like just being wow, this is the coolest thing in the world. I know? don't
1: mean to upstage you, but uh, Michael used to ride behind me in the car and he rubbed my shoulders too. Did he? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he didn't. I just no, I just I well, he, he would just
3: slap me in the back of the head. head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Michael, yeah. Hey, Michael Hayes almost got me arrested for murder one time, uh, 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 vehicular, no. vehicular homicide one time up in. Parkersburg, West Virginia. He told me to run over Wildfire, Tommy Rich, which was all of our mail ticket at the time. And uh-huh. we were, being with Michael Hayes, you know, I wasn't in the right state of mind to have, a, <laughs> to have a good sense of mind. So I said, do you want a bet? I'll do it. Put the car down and drive, floorboarded a big old Lincoln Continental, hit uh-huh. Tommy, and the last thing we saw Tommy was rolling across the windshield, busting the windshield, rolling across the top of our car, laying in the back. Michael elbowed me. I think you just killed Waffle. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> I can't believe you did that to well, him. I can't
3: either. I can't either. I still don't think I did, but both of them, both of them confirmed the story a couple of times. So I guess that That's I- so
2: crazy. I mean, Mr. Tommy Rich was Mr. TBS. He was the first big superstar. To me, at least he was in wrestling. I mean, he was Mr. Cable TV.
1: <clears throat> right. You know, you know what we love, Missy? The is, hot is thing. One of the reasons that Mr. Briscoe and I love doing this show is because people that weren't around then don't understand that there were guys that were the hotter than anybody in all these different uh, territories.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, Tommy Wildfire Ridge was the hottest baby face in the world. You know, you had Hogan, of course, up. You know, in, in WWE with the global television, but Tommy Wildfire Ridge, to a lot of people, was the baby face. You know, yeah, he sure was. I mean, people. he was on
2: covers of magazines. I mean, he was the babyface in the early '80s. I mean, nobody could touch him.
1: And John Tatum, I've always been a—I don't know what ever happened to John. I—I I, I heard he lives before. in
2: Texas now. He lives in Texas with his son.
1: I didn't know he that. Retired from the
2: fairgrounds. Did you ever wrestle him?
1: I did. so oh, you times. Did in global? Yeah.
2: Um, okay cool that was you one know, of my questions but i got questions to ask you Hollywood,
1: was was a a, Hollywood was a great heel it was a terrific worker i mean a, a and really great good facial worker.
2: expressions
1: oh my goodness his facial expressions were insane
2: yeah they, they just, were so just over top i know i know i don't know where he got those from he always had them though he always had them i'll never forget him going oh missing."
1: He'd almost uh, cry. He'd almost actually cry the ring when he when he would, yeah, call, when yeah. something would go when wrong.
2: He lose? Oh my gosh, when he lost, it was the funniest thing. You'd want to not laugh at him, but it was so good. It was so good.
1: Where well, is right, he? In Texas? Right. Where is he in Texas?
2: Uh, in Dallas, north of Dallas.
1: I didn't know that. I'd love yeah. to see him sometime. He
2: was supposed to come to the reunion, to the world-class reunion, but he no showed me. <laughs>
1: John, do you no have show. one of those coming up?
3: No, we just we, had
1: it. They okay. just had it. We might have one coming up in August for uh, Black Bark.
2: Oh, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I just found out about it today. Bart gave me a call, and I uh, saw on social media this thing was up, so I don't know much more about it than – I know they're doing a fundraiser for Black Bark out in uh, Gilmer, Texas, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, from Dallas, how ha- ha- – how did you end up going you went from there to uh wwe or you went there to no, uwf
2: Wife. uwf
1: to bill well, Wife, Kim right?
2: took everybody and we kind of left world class and went to uwf he took me he took um john tatum he took jack victory the Freebirds, um one man gang um i'm trying to think who else like a lot of people left with ken mantel when he got the booking job in uwf
1: and we went there and that was when crockett was buying up a couple of these territories right no
2: this was before when when um when uh watts still owned it watts owned it for about a year before crockett came in to buy it
1: and was business still good
2: in dallas at that
1: time no
2: it started going bad after we all left and then global came in you know
1: yeah, because you had that run there of 85-86 that was still good after a day. Yeah, it nine. was great
2: in 85 and 86 because I was there then. But after we left and Ken took all the talent, it kind of went, eh. Yeah. We, you know, went sideways. And, went sideways. had you know, the problems with, with Carrie and the problems with Mike and just, you know, Fritz couldn't get a break.
3: Was yeah. Gary Hart involved at that time, any time? Yeah. Yeah. What would oh, you yeah. think Gary of Gary? Gary, Gary Gary's one of our time, our all-time favorite guy. I mean, Gary, I've known Gary since I started in the business.
2: Well, when we worked in Crockett, when we first started working in Crockett, he's the one that wanted Muda to spray mist on me instead of Eddie. And so Muda sprayed me twice. He thought that would be better heat. And back then in like 87, spraying a girl with the green mist, You
3: know that's heat yeah well that's what I mean you did you did some some um, earth-shattering things for our business for the very first and you got to be proud of all all those (laughs) days there but the well, heat, thank you. you. You took a lot of abuse and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of gimmicks from the guys there. It had, it, had to, it had to be, looking back on it, it had to be in a great time
2: Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. When I think about Buddy Roberts trying to pee on me one time, you know, I just, all the other- <laughs> Oh, yeah. Me, wait, wait a minute. Buddy Roberts
3: tried to pee on you?
2: Yeah. Oh, I, wow. was in, I was in Fort Worth at Will Rogers. We had that one bathroom right there, and they had the stalls. And then they had the opening place. And I remember I went in there and I would have John watch the door so I could change clothes. And I'm in there and I hear somebody going. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, oh man, somebody's watching or somebody's doing something. So I took off a boot and I kick it in the air. And I'm like, da, 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 da. You know, like I'm, like I'm gonna strip. And I finally, something tells me to look up. There's Buddy Roberts crunched with his hands on the ceiling. And his feet, like a frog, <laughs> up in between the, the panels of the bathroom. And he was going to pee on me. I come running out half naked going, Buddy's going to pee on me.
1: <laughs> so he waited up there for you just so he could pee on you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you think, you know you think that Buddy was a little strange, John. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Buddy but was strange even for a free bird yeah i know right so he literally waited in the ceiling He waited I mean, up
2: there yeah i don't know how he got up there too i just remember his hands were like to the ceiling and then you know, the top of the stall there's like about four three feet maybe and he was crunched up there like that like a frog
1: and so he didn't like just want to see you naked he wanted to actually use he the wanted to actually on
2: pee on me yeah he was trying to pee on me because i heard I mean, at least I was told by John that it's really cool to be peed on by a free bird. Like, you know, you're one of the boys and everything. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be like one of the boys. You know, I just. You know,
3: I was one of the boys. And I, Michael Hayes tried to pee on me about several times. But I told him I'd break it off of him if he ever did it.
1: <laughs> and he never peed on me.
2: <laughs> That's good. That's good.
1: Michael yeah, got me. I don't me know in- about
2: those free birds.
1: Michael got me and Dutch one time. So we, we oh, drop oh yeah 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 we drop him off at, at the hotel. We're staying there too, but we're gonna park the car. So we let Michael out. And I knew what Michael was gonna do. I I, I knew i so I, I'm driving, Dutch is in the passenger, and uh, Michael knocks on the window and uh Dutch is rolling the window down as he does. I drop the keys so that way I can't I can't go anywhere. <laughs> and oh, next no. thing you know, Dutch is going. <laughs> <laughs> michael michael is peeing through the window <laughs> and oh it's my gosh so all over me too but watching dutch react was one of the funniest things dutch was, like, oh, I to was gonna great. kill him and then michael runs into the hotel and, <laughs> and that was it
2: oh my gosh that's what so i didn't michael
1: he don't buy a free bird, but I did get splashed from it. Well, <laughs> from free bird.
2: well hey, you're one of the boys, you're, you know, and you're in a in a cool club, you know, <laughs> a cool right.
1: club. That's right. And I had to keep Dutch from getting us fired for trying, wanting to kill Michael. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, got I bet. Oh, so, well, you
3: got some questions there, Missy? Uh,
2: I do. I have some questions. This is for Mr. Mr. JBL. Oh, oh! Right. I asked you about the John Tatum one, but I wanted to ask you. Tell me about. Wasn't the Sportatorium one of the hottest buildings? I mean, it looked archaic, but on TV, it was awesome.
1: Oh, and TV you is the greatest. The
2: Sportatorium stories.
1: Yeah, it was one of the greatest arenas ever. I mean, by far. You, you know, you know how it was. You you walk right down through the fans. They're right on top of you. They you know they surrounded you on basically almost three quarters of the arena because you know half the arena had burned down at some point. They right. Just, <laughs> they just put a wall there uh, that was not insulated and so they just put a wall there so it was uh, it was hotter than hell in the summer you remember right. it, was, it was miserable hot and then it was freezing cold in the winter And the the wind would actually blow through the walls it was so freaking bad that was the worst arena in the world they should have condemned that thing so long before <laughs> yeah right and the rats that they
2: said they were in the um in the well for the french fries and stuff
1: yeah there were a lot of rats yeah four-legged right
0: there were four-legged the four-legged rats
1: yeah Yeah. i was with black bart dick murdoch one time when bart wrestled in his entire coat and everything it was so cold he wouldn't take it off we he was freezing. oh it was was miserable cold that that arena was such a bad arena as far as there was nothing good about it there was no
2: dressing rooms really we used to change in the in the offices they didn't right, have dressing rooms. it wasn't for women.
1: There were, you know, for the guys, he had the dressing room right on the door on the left when he walked in. Then they had uh, the, the office. I never went that. in there.
2: All I know is I used to have to go into the office and, and Bronco's office.
1: Yeah, one of the Samoans broke the toilet, and the whole thing just imploded. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, the whole thing disintegrated. So we lost oh our. Oh my family. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, yeah, wait a minute. He broke it by what? Setting on it or setting on it. You know, he right. was a big guy, but it had yeah. taken big guys before. But apparently he had been taking big guys for too long and finally yeah. <laughs> the whole whole thing imploded.
2: Oh like, my god. Just
1: imploded. And the damn thing just disappeared.
2: That's <laughs> funny. Is it true that Metal Maniac broke K Fave and Global by standing in line to take a polar word
1: with Carrie? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot all about that story. Yes, yes. I, I I hadn't heard that name, Metal Maniac, in 30 years or 25 years. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so he was in the dressing room, and Carrie usually dressed upstairs. You know, I think the cake right. vave his, his foot or, uh, you know, what was missing of his foot. And right. he'd always come downstairs dressed, so he always had his upstairs dressing room. Of course, that was where a lot of the guys went upstairs to get to feeling better, too. So he was upstairs, <laughs> and Metal Maniac left the dressing room and went and got in line and this is one of the boys, Gerald. This is one of the boys. All right, yeah. right up a Polaroid right. picture, paid for it with Carrie Von Erick in, in his gimmick. <laughs> yeah. In his
2: gimmick? Oh, my yeah,
1: God. from what I remember. Now, if I'm wrong about that, I'll, you know, I'll, I won't apologize. I don't care. But <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, we'll I, find I, out. I, I, I believe he was in his gimmick. because As soon as he did it, we found out about it in the dressing room. It's,
2: oh, did you just terrorize him about that?
1: I don't remember because I, I I think the guys were just like so couldn't believe it that this guy right. had done this because, you know, K. Fay was pretty strong there yeah. and pretty strong back then. And he goes out and gets in line and takes a photo with <laughs> Carrie and takes a picture. I have no idea. Whatever happened to that guy?
2: I have no idea. I don't even I remember. No I just read the story. I, I, just, well. I wasn't I just, sure if it was true.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was true. Uh,
2: yeah. Also, oh, oh, miss, Missy, Chris... Missy,
3: I'm going to interrupt what? you here. You, you you, brought up something. I'm old. I'll forget it if I don't ask you right away. So you mentioned Kerry's okay. foot. I heard you went to extreme difficulties one time to find out if if the rumor was true about his foot. I
2: did. I did. I got snonker drunk. And I, me and Kerry, he was with the WWE at the time. And I was with WCW. And we met up somewhere as after the show and they were in Atlanta. And I saw him and we started hanging out and drinking shot after shot. And I'm like, I'm gonna find out if he has foot or not. I know, I'm gonna get him drunk. He's gonna pass out and I'm gonna look. Well, we get totally drunk off our tails and we go to my apartment and I ended up passing out. And I woke up the next morning and he was already right. He was laying there with his boots on, you know, with like cowboy boots on or whatever. And I was like, oh man, I got a hangover. And I didn't even find out if he had a foot or not. Great it was bad it was bad
1: so yeah but how, were you there
2: when chris adams ripped off rod price's hairs
1: i was there i okay. believe i was you know what people people forget so i i believe i was there uh because uh he went to he went to like bill fro rod they had a, i don't know if they had a little heat before that or not i can't remember uh because at one point, I think, I think and I don't want to speak for Rod. He's a good friend of mine, he's, and he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a nice um, guy. Really good guy. I think Rod thought maybe it was on purpose at one point because Chris called him. I don't remember if Rod did or not. Or, or if Rod was just a little bit mad because it was maybe reckless. But he went yeah. to Bill for him, and Jerry, he had those plugs in his uh, hair. And when he went to <laughs> Bill he pulled his hair out. I mean, he pulled, it, pulled his scalp I off. thought
2: it was extensions or something. I didn't know it was the plugs that came I out. I believe
1: it was the plugs, because when he pulled them out, he uh, Rod was pretty upset and came out. Yeah. I don't, hey, how you Chris. I don't know if he's mad at Chris or just the whole situation that happened. I, I was there. Rod went across. I think he went across the liquor, the liquor store, because he's mad. He's the liquor store right across the street. Right, and that's right. And that's when his head started bleeding.
2: And oh just my covered in
1: blood. And he had to have, oh, man, I don't remember, tens of stitches. Uh, to, to, oh, to, my to, God. From what I remember. Now, we need to get Rod on here to ask him the whole story because.
2: You I, need to. I'd i like I to don't wanna, out I hate that. these
1: guys who make up stories and all this stuff. I, I, and they I'm get bigger to, and bigger and bigger.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying
1: to remember. I, there was a ton of blood. Rod had to have it, I believe, sewed back up. Chris called him that later that week, say, hey, we need to talk and work it out, and, you know. Chris didn't do it on purpose, from what I remember, and Rod was okay. fine with that. Rod believed him. Uh, I don't. I don't think there was any animosity between Chris and Rod. It just something that happened.
2: Ah, oh, okay. No, that's good. You know, Rod
1: had the plugs, but I don't think he never. You know, it didn't really make it known that he had plugs.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You don't want to do
1: that. So it was just kind of a mis. I think it was just a mistake, but yeah, he pulled his hair out of his head. God, that had in, to hurt really bad. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Let me, now I got to ask you this question. How does a Texan with no tattoos get booked to become the American Vampiro? <laughs> and did the gimmick get
1: over?
3: Sometimes I wonder if he's a real Texan, Melissa.
1: Because <laughs> 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 he don't live down there. Well, here's the part I didn't know. I didn't know that Vampiro uh, had gotten into some heat with Elizondo who ran Monterey, CMLL. Right. And he apparently he had punched one of his stooges, which I have no problem with punching a stooge. So <laughs> believe me, I'd, I'm sure it was justified. I have no idea what happened, but anyway, so they they cut him off at that point from working in Monterey, and he was, I believe, the champion at the time. So they, they took the championship from him, you know, in absent uh, in, 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 being gone, and they brought me down as the American Vampire. They'd seen me working a border show with Carrie, by the way, and. Okay. They wanted me to come down and be the American Vampiro. Well, I thought I was going down like the dark Patriot to the Patriot. You know, I thought, I thought Vampiro was in on it. I thought it was a, you know, I was coming down as the heel vampire. I had no idea I was coming down as Elizondo trying to stick it to Vampiro. I had no idea that. So Uh,
2: so was Vampiro pissed? Was Vampiro pissed?
1: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So they put the title on me and Vampiro's title not Uh only that missy listen to this they went down and vampiro had bought a new gimmick a whole new gimmick the clothes and everything he had paid for it i believe he paid for it and but he he had ordered it at the seamstress shop in monterey they went down and picked it up and gave me his stuff oh my god i don't know that he's not in on it i think he i think he's the one that gave me the stuff so I'm sitting there I'd worked the loop, you know, bringing in the vampire to work against me. I'm the heel vampire. You know, he sold Monterey out. He was, he was as hot as Hogan down there. I mean, the right? That's what I heard. as over as a person could be. So we're working in Monterey, the Plaza del Toros. He sold the place out. This is the first time the two vamp- vampires are going to meet. <laughs> I was a horrible vampire. He was a good vampire. He was very good. At, <laughs> I was terrible. And I'm sitting there in the dressing room and I'm for the first time I meet him. I think he's been in on the whole thing. I thought it was probably his idea to bring me down. I didn't know right. I was thorn in his flesh that Alizano is bringing me down to mess with him. So I'm sitting there across from him in this little bitty room and he's just eyeballing me and I could tell there's heat and I can't figure out why. So we go to talk over the match I can. he's just eyeballing me. Finally, I said, do we have heat? And he said, you're wearing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I oh, wow. said, I said, well, yeah, that's the idea. Wearing your stuff and and I'm going to drop the, the title to you and then drop the name to you and all this stuff. And yeah, he goes, right. oh, you're wearing my shit. <laughs> and he's looking at me and I thought, he's about to punch me. And I have no idea why he's mad at me. I'm not, I'm not clueless. And all of a sudden he just relaxes and he goes, you're not in on it, are you? And I said, in on what? <laughs> and then he oh, tells me the whole God. story that he had bought this. I'm wearing... Think about this: I've got his title on, I've got his stuff on that he right. wrote, and I'm sitting in front of him in a dressing room. <laughs> oh He's got to be thinking, God. "This is the craziest person on the planet." And so, when finally, when he figured out what it was, I just laughed. I said, "This is the greatest story ever," and he did too. He, he, he—you know—at that point, he thought it was funny. He had no idea I wasn't in on it. Well, he, I didn't know. I, it was was like on. This thought, I wasn't on it. I see him years later in the elevator. He was a big, you know, tall, you know, good looking guy, he, you know, his head, right. head shaved. And uh, so I didn't recognize him right away. He goes, you're going to say hi to me. And you know how you don't look at people in the elevator. Right. And, and I, I so I'm sorry. He goes, you look, he goes, you're wearing my shit. Yeah. So I was a horrible vampire, but I got to be in front of a lot of sold out arenas because I was wrestling a very good vampire who was very really good. A, vampire. Yeah, well, I
2: thought that El, he was great um, to me. By Alexander. the way, I, I,
1: I can't say enough nice things about him. He was really nice to me, and it was it was a pleasure to work with him.
2: Yeah, I'm just wondering because Alessandro, liked those male stripper types, how you got to be an American vampire?
1: <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll take yeah, it as a compliment, Yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it as a compliment though. If I look anything like a male stripper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I maybe. heard. Elizondo, that, Ele,
2: that, 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 that Elizondo like was the male stripper types.
1: Yeah, maybe I'm like a cover boy for Farm Almanac or something. Maybe not...
2: <laughs> oh my god!
1: Maybe not male strippers Inc. <laughs>
2: okay, I got a Japan question to ask you. Okay. Um, you later got booked as a Death Mask, doing yeah. a knockoff Undertaker gimmick for War. Did you work? With Tenru, and did you get any dinners with businessman with missing pinkies?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they brought me over, and they I didn't know I was going over his death mass. It was it was an undertaker ripoff. It was terrible. I I hated it. (laughs) But they brought me in, and I was I was jumping from uh, Kendall Nagasaki's group N O W to Tenru, who was a much bigger group. It was like a really big break for me. And they brought me in, and they said we can't bring you in the same gimmick. I said okay they said we're gonna do this death mask gimmick and i didn't understand it it was an undertaker ripoff it was a cowboy undertaker i hated it <laughs> I, I thought it was just cowboy I undertaker <laughs> i thought it was terrible to put me in a, a ripoff gimmick you know not that the gimmick couldn't work but that i was ripping off <laughs> a really good guy yeah and and yeah. so they said we're not gonna leave you in it for long and they didn't i think i worked that one tour and then they they put me in back in the regular cowboy gimmick so like they, they kept uh, the word in. okay well you look better I, I really, than regular I, cowboy I absolutely hated that but i did get to work with tenru a lot and they brought okay. me back and i got a i got a good spot out of it and um let's say okay was it
2: true oh no this is a smoky mountain one is it, okay was it true that you were going to work for smoky mountain before it folded
1: yeah, it's a joke between me and Cornette uh, to this day. So oh, just, really? what, said he's what bring me in. What was he going to do for you?
2: What were, you, what were your I, plans?
1: I have no idea. I don't think we got that far. He he was going to bring me in for a job. I asked him for a job. He said he's going to bring me in. And then his okay. company folded. So I, I keep telling him I'm reporting for duty.
2: Oh, my gosh. And in fact, when he said guys he said, are making $40 a
1: night? Uh, I love I loved Jim Cornette. And, uh, I, I wanted to it. work for him. And you know the company ended up folding. He went to WWE, and so I never got to work for him.
2: Oh, okay. And um, yes,
1: I got booked in a territory that folded. So some guys actually kill territories after they get there. I killed it before I went. You (laughs) killed it before you got the mention of becoming killed Uh it. Yes.
2: So you worked one tour for all Japan, right? Yeah. Okay. And did you attempt to become Mrs.
3: Baba's favorite wrestler. Did Johnny Ace have that spot all? Up? <laughs> very
1: good. Very good. I <laughs> Stop know <who> it. God. <laughs> Stop it, Mr. Briscoe. <laughs> no, what happened was is that was the tour that Barry Windham got me booked over there. Barry Windham got me booked so that I could get a job. Uh was the reason. And Barry's a I love Barry Wyndham to this day. And for this and for so many other reasons. So I was working in WWE. And I was leaving the. I think the next day after what ended up being the Montreal screw job.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I was yeah. uh, we we're up in Canada. Me and Barry we drove to the next town, so we missed the fallout of the match. So it started. I left when the match started, so we missed all the fallout uh, of, of the match itself. But then the next day we flew to Japan, and I think I think Barry was the Jr. had mentioned to Barry that they're kind of looking for a liaison between WWE and Japan. And I, I assumed that that was kind of going to be uh, Barry's role. Barry was trying to help me get a job because my contract was up with WWE. I didn't think I was. Ah, okay. I didn't think I was going to get resigned. And so I went to Japan and did either five or six weeks in the tag tournament, working with Stan and Doc and all the guys. And my goal was to get a job in Japan so that if Case WWE didn't resign me, then I could stay in Japan and work and finish my career over there with with Stan and the guys. Uh, right. But then. Uh, I don't know if it had anything to do with the Montreal screw job or not, but when I came, by the time I came home, they, they decided they want to re-sign me. Uh, and I don't know if that was because they were losing guys at WCW. I don't think anybody really cared about Justin Hawk Bradshaw at the time. So I don't, I don't, know, if, uh, I don't know what the reason, the re- impetus for it was, but I ended up getting a job with WWE and staying.
2: Oh, okay. Did you that was get my work first, with-
1: first guaranteed contract was that ne- was the contract I got with WWE when I came back.
2: Oh, really? That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, That's amazing. Did you ever get to work with Misawa or Kobayashi or Kawada? Kibashi. I'm not saying their names. I see yeah, the
1: worst, worst concussion what? I ever got was from Kibashi, uh by far. He did a spinning back fist, gave me the worst concussion. I, I couldn't even sit up on the bus. I was My head was so bad. And it was oh like that the God. entire tour. So when I came back from Japan, I got a message from JR that they wanted to resign me. They wanted me to fly to Portland, Maine. I didn't want to tell him I had a concussion because now I'm damaged goods. They wouldn't resign me. And Bye. so I told him I couldn't come to TV and he thinks, I think he thought I was using it as a negotiation tactic, but I wasn't. And so he said, well, we want to resign you. We're going to send you, I said, well, send me an MOU. I'll sign it, send it back to you, make sure it's binding. And then I'll come to TV at the next show. I said, cause finally I told him, I said, look, I gotta be honest. Uh, I've been over there with Stan. I've been drinking this whole time. I'm not in good shape. I don't want to come to TV right now. I, I didn't want to tell him I had a concussion.
2: Right, right. You so he goes, okay, we well, Yeah.
1: Jr. And Jr was great. He was great with it. He said, okay. So so you me. figured you'd lie. You figured
3: uh <laughs> being a drunk was better than having a concussion. <laughs> oh but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> he knew I tagged with Murdoch, so he didn't believe the drunk story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they're
2: so yeah. much more apt to apt to be more lenient on a
1: you know, I have a hangover and I've been drunk for two weeks, and I have a yeah. concussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> in concussion, they they have a liability. Being hung, being drunk, they think I might sober up one day.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah exactly. And
1: it yeah, you never did. Jr. understood it. He said, "That's great." He goes, "Get yourself in shape. We'll start you again at the Royal Rumble." So when I went the Royal awesome. Rumble, that was my big push. You know, but it was a big push. Like I, I'm in there like 30 minutes or something. Then, then all of a sudden, the finish happens. So they're like, "Give me this push," you know. where you don't really. You're just like cannon fodder, basically. But
2: right, right. I didn't
1: know if I took the first bump if my head would explode because I had this horrible <laughs> concussion. Because I didn't take a bump, I couldn't. I couldn't do nothing. I, it was oh my gosh!
2: Concussion.
1: So I'm, I'm scared when I get in the in the Royal Rumble that all of a sudden I'm gonna take a bump and I'm gonna start seeing double again and my head will get all screwed up. And yeah. uh, fortunately I was over the concussion and nothing happened. But Was it, died. was it, was it with a kick or a chop or how Spinded did it get... back fist? He did that spin Spinded and back, back fist and he caught me right in the neck. And uh, when he did somehow I've been hit much harder, but but he caught me just right or something. My vision went blurred. At first I went, my head started ringing. It was, but it was like that for almost a month.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was That's it was, serious.
1: <laughs> It was a nice, serious concussion.
2: God. Okay. I got my last question for you. Okay. How was Tully Blanchard in the NWA Dallas?
1: I didn't work with Tully there. Oh, you I worked, no, I worked with Tully in, um, uh, Crockett was going to open up in Chattanooga, I think. Oh. Okay. I went there With Tully there. And that's where all the heat started with me and Tully. And it it's, you know, I, I'm going to take hundred percent blame for this because I'm not going to blame Tully. Uh, I thought he blew me off in hindsight. Maybe he didn't. I didn't see him till years later when I saw him, I blew up very unprofessional and shouldn't have done it, but that's where the heat started with Tully. He was the booker for Crockett there. So.
2: Oh, okay. Tully never and, and talked the
1: problem, to I, me. the problem I had was I'd flown in from Japan to Dallas and then me and James Beard got in a car and drove straight to Chattanooga. We had no sleep. We had flown in from Tokyo and I got oh, there and I, and I didn't think we were treated right. In hindsight, Tully didn't know me, and he maybe he did absolutely nothing wrong. So I, right, I will take, okay. I will take, I will take one hundred percent credit for being uh, overreacting.
2: Oh, okay, that's pretty good. I like that.
1: And and since I've I sent I've sent Tully a lot of text since I've apologized to him since. Um, about blowing up when he came into wwe because that was really unprofessional i should have talked to him but i should have talked yeah. to him aside. and i and i do mean talk to him i don't mean you know contentious i should have just talked to him he's yeah. apparently he's a very nice guy and uh
2: tully yeah. was really stuck up when i was in wcw he was very stuck up like he never talked to me nothing it wasn't until like maybe a few years ago i saw him at an autograph signing and i said have okay, my picture with you for twitter and he's like sure and i put my arm around i was like wow you have no body fat on you you are you know you're amazing you're the best looking wrestler i've seen you know because he's got his hair's all short and great i mean he looks really good he's a lot better looking now than he was 30 years ago <laughs> i don't know why but he's like you never talked to me i'm like you never talked to me you know what was i gonna say you know it was, it's just weird it was like a weird transit it was a weird thing
1: but, but to stop any uh, talk on uh, social media, I, I was at some event and one of Tolly's friends or a relative maybe came by, and I sent Tolly t- uh, a text. You know, I have number and some some text. I had so and so, and anyway, we're, we're very friendly now.
2: Oh, that's good. That's good. That's really good. I squashed so, my heat with uh, Dark
3: Journey too. So. <laughs> so tell us about that heat, then, if you don't mind.
2: Oh my God, let me tell you something. We didn't know what we were doing in the ring. The guys used to come out to watch our matches because they were like, oh, we're going to go see the girls fight, you know, because it was a shoot. And she would hear the fans yell for her and she would just rip my hair out and beat the living crap out of me. Every night for almost a year, I cried. I never cried in the dressing room because John said, if you cry in the dressing room, they'll never let you live it down. So I always waited until we got in the car and then we're like, "Ah." Oh you know but we didn't know what we were doing we didn't they didn't give us any lessons they didn't tell us they just told us to go out there and fight
3: and so, so let me if i got this right there so the instructions at that time in wcw when the girls were going you guys did, did you get agents to kind of lead it I'd tell you to fill in the match or how did you yeah they that? would
2: just say they would just say okay you're gonna when link you does something you pull link's leg and then that start start journey to run around and then you roll in the ring, she rolls in after you, you tie up for a little bit, and then John will pull you apart. That's all we were told.
3: Right. Fill in the blanks, right? Yeah,
2: fill in the <laughs> blanks. Let her beat the living crap. I mean, I had a bald spot on my head. I mean, it was it it, it wasn't fun. It wasn't but
3: how fun. I was how, how much how much training did you have as, as a wrestler, in-ring wrestler? Zero. That's what, that's what I was thinking you didn't have any. Huh? So I nobody had not, even got in the
1: ring with you to show you how to no, take a bump or anything?
2: never, never. <laughs> no. Sunshine taught me how to do, like, hold the hair, you know, and you hold the wrists. And Sunshine kind of worked with me a little bit. But no, we never got in the ring and tried anything out. Because you couldn't, kayfabe, you know, where can we do it at that there wouldn't be people to see it?
1: And nobody taught you how to take a bump or anything.
2: Uh-uh. uh-uh.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: <laughs> so everything you see is a shoot.
1: <laughs> so I there, there this time we talked about before uh we got into questions, which Rex, were very good questions, by the way. Okay, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> how was your time with WWE was it was it good, uh, good it was
2: short I sucked really bad they wanted me to be a baby face and I didn't even know how to be a heel I'd only been in the business like two years and uh I was supposed to take over Piper's Pit and call it Missy's Manor and they had a set built for me I got all these cool clothes it was really great but Vince wanted me to be a baby face and and I did some tv tapings and they were horrible so they had me do it again and i begged him let me go out there and just let me be my missy character and let me just try to do it like that and see." no no you got to be a baby face we want you as a baby face and it and it's and it was horrible it was horrible and then they wanted me to be a federette and then do something with a um, honky tonk man and i was like i don't think i want to be a fetterette
3: how did you get that call up to WWE? I sent
2: photos of me and Eddie up to Vince, and Vince called us.
3: Was Eddie a part of the deal, too?
2: Yeah, Eddie was going to go up there, but he they told him. You, Eddie thought he was going to get Piper's Pit. When he found out he wasn't going to get Piper's Pit, he wanted to stay in UWF and book UW, it'd be the assistant booker in UWF. What, but I was the, like, I'm going to WWE. I don't know about you, but I'm getting yeah. a doll, yeah. you know?
3: You could yeah. see those action figure dollars coming <laughs>
2: Oh, I didn't care about the money, I just wanted an action figure. Yeah, I just was. thought that was going to be the coolest thing. Like, I'm gonna have a Barbie doll.
3: So, yeah, did, Vince, that's did Vince call you to come in? Or, or you, yeah, say, you you sent the pictures up. Who did you send the picture to, Vince or Pat? Vince, or, okay, I
2: sent them to Vince.
1: Oh. And did and Vince fly you up called. for the meeting for here's what we want to do and all that?
2: Yeah, he flew us up there and you know picked us up at the at the airport and took us up to um Connecticut and uh we we went in there and he's like okay this is what we're gonna do Eddie you could manage or you could wrestle you can do whatever you want to do Missy we want to make do Piper's Pit with you and that's when I found out I was just like oh, okay and like the first time I did an interview I entered I asked Jim, Jimmy Hart a question and I'm holding the microphone like this after I asked him a question and he like you know, moves it over I, I didn't know how to interview people no one told me what to do but the stuff was like scripted out like vince told me what to say and i said it it was horrible stuff you can see it on youtube it's really bad really bad
1: you know people don't realize that you know when we started there wasn't training no you learned on the fly which <laughs> can be kind of tough
2: Well, the only reason why I learned how to do interviews is because when we pulled up to do interviews the first time, John, they said, sounded drunk, even though it was 10 o'clock in the morning and he wasn't drunk. But they said, John, you sound drunk. Let Missy do the interviews. Okay, you go 30 seconds, you against sunshine, Lubbock, Texas. If she, if John loses, she gets 30, 30 minutes or a minute in the ring with you. I don't remember the stipulation. Okay, three, two, one, go. That's how I learned how to do interviews.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's how we used to do markets. Uh, you, I'm sure you did the same way down. in. Yeah. In-
2: yeah. You did the separate markets for each yeah. one
1: you'd line up and then you'd have 20 interviews in a row. Yeah. You know, a minute, minute and a half. Okay. Place. You got killer in a, in a bar bar match and a cage match in Fort Worth. You got carry in a lumberjack match. Give us a minute. Right. So yeah. It was, so you did one after another, another on the job training. Yeah, it was on the job training.
2: I didn't know what I was doing. And I sure, I was way over my head in the WWF. I was just way over my head. I didn't know if I was coming or going.
3: Yeah, The, the culture was so different there because, because of the TV aspect of it. Yeah. I was the same way, Mitzi. Uh, when I first went up there, I thought, you know, I've been with TBS. I'd been with Florida. I've been with Carolinas. I went up there and it was like, Walking into a new world for me. Yeah. I mean, all this new technology was starting to be developed, and you know, all all these different different aspects of of TV taping were were incorporated. I felt like like you and everybody else. I'm I'm lost in this environment here. You know, somebody. Yeah. Did, and there's nobody to teach you. You just got to start asking questions and, and jump in.
2: Yeah, I didn't. You know, I just did what Vince said, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. and i hate saying that because maybe somebody else could have done it better i don't know they didn't get anybody else to do it but
3: yeah so how long how long did this gig last for you i
2: did two yeah. tv tapings for him yeah. and on the third one they wanted me to be a Federette. and i was like yeah i don't think i want to do that
3: what was a Federette? a knock on one of the girls of the nitro girls or something like that or... yeah
2: they well these girls they took ring jackets
3: yeah
2: and I was like, I don't want to be one of
3: three or one of two or three. No. I don't remember. So where, where did you end up after that?
2: I went back and, and went to Dusty and begged him for a job. Yeah. And that's when Crockett was running, was running. Crockett was living in Dallas. And um, and uh, Dusty put me back on TBS and the Crockett shows.
1: And you were almost at one point, uh, Randy Savage's ballet, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Because I had sent... Um, jake and took well no this is when me and john i i sent my pictures to um george scott and said i'd like to be a ballet and he i think he thought i was baby doll or something because i was from dallas texas and i mean and i and i sent it to him and um he called me and he said we're looking for a ballet or a female to do randy poffo and i went oh okay i can do that you know I. It's like, okay i can do it yeah i'd do anything right and um so john told david manning that hey wwf called for missy and so that's when david manning was like hey do you want to come to work here i was like yeah sure but i never heard anything and then i heard that randy wanted his wife to do it a girlfriend to do it because he liked double paychecks <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's easy to believe in mr briscoe yeah. No kidding. Randy, yes.
2: (laughs) However much Randy
1: made, Randy kept all of it.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I know. He was so tight with his money when he walked, he squeaked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So then, when did you end up? Then you ended up in WCW for the the long run, right?
2: I was in WCW for a little bit. And then we went to Memphis. Then we went to Continental and then back to WCW.
1: And that's when you had the long run there at WCVU. Yeah,
2: yeah, from like 89 to 94.
1: How was it during that time?
2: You know, I always just kept my mouth shut and just was happy that I was getting a check until until I was finding out other things. Like certain people that were doing the same job as me was making $250,000 more a year than me. And then I was the lowest paid person there. And I was making them a half a million dollars alone off the hotline alone. And my calendar sold more than the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders calendar. Mm. You know, certain things like that. And I didn't get any money for that. Wow. And I, you know, but I kept my mouth shut because I was told, I was told, I, think, I forget, I think it was only either told me this. One of them said to me, you better shut up and be happy you have a job. You don't have a wife and kids to feed. Wow.
1: <laughs> So that it gives them a right that gives them a right to underpay you. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Isn't so. It is strange
3: how, how the merchandising has, has completely changed our business with the talent, especially, you know. And again, I'm, I'm so happy for that because back in our days, I mean, you were lucky to just get a payoff for showing up for work. But nowadays yeah. there's so so many different revenue streams. There's so many different ways to market somebody like a Missy Hyatt nowadays. And they, even the one there was back when back when you were starting in the business.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why I didn't have. I mean, I even I went and um, had a photo shoot with Playboy in 1989 or 90. And Playboy wanted me to do a pictorial for him. And I told Jim Ross and Jim took it to the board and they said, no, huh. we can't have an on-air talent in Playboy. And just think what that would have done for my career.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, they missed the boat on a lot of stuff. I just don't think they knew what to do with me or whatever. But, you know,
3: I just. Once, once again, Missy, I think it's that world, you know, of being in the South and then, uh, you know, saying no, 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 then being in Vince's world of Playboy at that time. Yeah. I mean, they, he, had, he had everybody he could get in Playboy. Yeah, remember.
2: exactly. And I could have been the first to do that. And it just aggravates the crap out of me that I you know, lost that chance to do that. And I was getting ready to call my dad and tell him I was going to do it because he was going to lose a gasket. <laughs> oh, my God. First off, they didn't like me being in wrestling and on TV and acting like a dumb bomb bimbo. My mom was like, can't you be nice on TV? I'm like, Mom, I don't get paid to be nice. <laughs>
0: yeah you
3: know, so the, that like, was the reaction I mean, you were getting from your parents when yeah. It was,
2: yeah oh yeah they they were just like and my dad didn't like i'd send him tapes <clears throat> when i first started he didn't want to watch them because people were throwing beer on me and nacho cheese and stuff like that i can't watch that i can't watch huh. you getting piltered with 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 beer and, and nachos you know <laughs> but that's a dad for you but right. i was getting ready to call him to tell him i was going to do playboy having him lose it i mean huh. Probably never talked to me again. Thank God I didn't because it didn't go through.
1: <laughs> and so then after what happened at WCW did did was it new management coming in that you? Oh, up? I
2: went through a bunch of different management: Jim Hurd, Ole Anderson, Bill Watts. You know, I went through so many people in five years. There was already there was always somebody new.
1: I was and taking there off when Eric. Eric came in?
2: Yeah, I was there when Eric came in. Eric was an announcer and they had him on the um, the Canadian show with me because he sucked as an announcer. And uh, he he was really bad. Anyway, I don't know how he, he got WCW to let him do what he did. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> um, somebody, somebody got something something. I don't know. Anyway, he ended up firing me because jason hervey was his good friend and he thought jason could get him into hollywood and he could be a producer or something out in hollywood and so me and jason broke up and so he fired me
1: and is that when you end up going to a ecw after that yeah
2: i went to ecw about a year and a half two years later i went to ecw for about a year
1: that had to be a
3: big, big change for you to Oh button. my gosh.
2: You know, finding a chair to sit down in because all the chairs were broken in the back <laughs> in that ECW arena. And it was such a dirty. I would I would because I always like to read. So I would I went out to one area and read where there was like one light bulb that I could read. That place was so dirty and so disgusting. And it was so horrible. But I mean the fans were crazy. The fans were magnificent there that was
3: Uh, fun yeah Paul Heyman uh how was Paul to work with with, Paul's
2: great he worked I met him in Atlanta doing an indie show me and Eddie met him and I fell in love with Paul and I'm the one that got Paul to come to Continental Wrestling I made Eddie book him like Eddie you gotta get Paul because me and him would sit up on the phone all night gossiping about angles and wrestling and stuff like that he's like a girl gossiping and um we'd be on the phone every night talking. And so he finally came to Alabama and, uh, and then went to WCW with us and stuff. So I've known Paul forever.
3: He's so smart. That, yeah. Paul's a very, very bright man and very, very valuable to our business. Even today oh, yes. after all these years, the, guy, the guy's just brilliant. Everything he's, he's so done,
2: brilliant. He's yeah. so brilliant. Yeah.
3: So this is the time also that you're deciding, hey, maybe I should go to college or?
2: Yeah, that's when I decided to go to college after that.
3: So tell us about that. just work indie term.
2: shows and go to college.
3: Oh, okay. What, what drove you that? ECW or what?
2: No, I just, you know, I was living in New York and not doing anything really. And I thought, well, this is my time to get a, to get a degree. You know, I want to go to school. And uh, first I was a med tech and I worked for a plastic surgeon and I really liked that. But then I wanted to go back and just finish and get my bachelor's. And so then I went to Marymount Manhattan College to do that. And then I moved to Tampa for a little bit. And I hated it. Then moved back to New York because I loved it. And then moved to Tallahassee after my daddy passed away to live with my mom to take care of her. And I've been there
1: ever since. So do you have any questions for Mr. Briscoe as well?
2: Yeah, you know, I wasn't sure, so I didn't make any.
3: I'm sorry, but uh, maybe okay. you'll have Thank me you. on
2: again. Maybe you'll have me on again, and then next time I can do my my questions.
3: Well, I'm glad they're all for JBL to tell you. You don't so know they, how relieved they, they were. Very good questions. Um, you don't know how
1: relieved <laughs> Mr. Briscoe is right now. I know. I
2: know. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I could, if if, if it would be appropriate to ask him questions because I'm still old school. I didn't want to. Ask any oh, so you ask questions. the kid
1: questions, but you won't ask Mr. Briscoe questions. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, you know, I can
3: do that with you, but, you know. Well, I, gotta have you. Respect. I guess, I guess, thank you. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's out of respect.
3: Yeah, well, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, you know, go back to your question, that roster that New Japan had, I mean, Old Japan had at that time, that was one of uh-huh. the best I've ever seen, when you had Masawa, really? when you had Masawa and Kibashi, and uh Stan, Doc, Gary. I mean, that was that whole card was just loaded. I was blown away by the talent. Well, I asked been. you
2: this before about Stan Hansen. Is it true is he stiff or is he far sight nearsighted? Or is he just stiff?
1: Well, as he's as he's just, <laughs> he just I just
3: I'll tell you, he's just stiff. We were with Stan not long ago, and some and some uh some autograph they up, up in St. Louis is where it was and Stan took off his glasses, started talking, and he could see. I handed him a drink, and he reached right out and got the drink. I said, "All right, that right there proves to me, Stan, that that being blind was just a gimmick. You're just a stiff s o b. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not
1: stiff. I'm not stiff. <laughs>
3: you remember that, John? I
1: mean, absolutely. Was- yeah. And right away, right away, he put his glasses back on. He goes, <laughs> "No, no, no. I'm not stiff. <laughs> I'm
2: not stiff. Yeah."
1: <laughs> Hey, Missy, we caught him. What we caught him with the belt, you know, the the old uh, title belt story from Denver. You know when he walked out with it and wouldn't wouldn't. Oh yeah, him. yeah, yeah. And he mailed it back to Vern, all beat up with a ball peen hammer and rubber by his truck. So we had him on our show. And Stan is like, is ultimately taking the high road." He said, "Guys, that's just all rumor." And I said, "Well, <laughs> rumor was you ran over it with a four wheeler." He goes, "No, it was a tractor." He goes, "Oh wait a minute!"
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Were were you
3: asked to do a a gimmick with an angle with Stan at one time? Yeah,
2: I sure did. I was looking for, they, they had this female in football who was in a locker room trying to get interviews and some guy pulled his penis out and put it in her face. And so she was a big uproar about it, about should there be female reporters in the locker room? So they did a whole thing. It was like three different times of me trying to get be the first woman in wrestling to get a locker room interview. And so I'm thinking I'm going to meet flying Brian or, or Ricky, or I I don't remember flying Brian or somebody else. And there's Stan Hansen. He's got tobacco in his mouth. He's got, Tidy whities on. He's got his cowboy hat. He's like, you heifer, get out of here. And he was and he hit me with his hat and we were going around like two. Thus he wanted to like two chickens getting ready to fight, you know. And I was like, no, 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 no. And he, and he was like, get out of here, get out of here. And he chased me out of the locker room. So we did that a couple of times. It was fun.
3: Michael so, Hayes told me a story. I don't know how true it is, he said, but him and Jimmy Garvin had just come back from, come back into where I guess it had to be world-class. You were there, and you were interviewing Abdullah the Butcher. They were supposed to come out with their music playing and they get interviewed by and their music, they had to cut the music down, Michael said, because you and Abby couldn't hear what you guys were talking about. So when when they introduced him, he went out to the ring with no music. Is that true or do you even know what I'm talking about? I
2: don't remember that. I don't remember that. I know that Abdullah the Butcher at Clash the Champions threw me in a water trough
3: oh he that's it gonna, you got that
2: that's not he said you got yeah that was night. yeah it was a um, it was falls count anywhere in wichita and i was the roving reporter for it and so it was uh catnish jack versus uh van hammer and so i'm out there going oh he's doing this or he's doing that you know doing the roving reporter thing here comes abdulillah Bush out of nowhere picks me up throw, and he's like i'm really sorry and he throws me in a water chop and i was just like what else are you guys going to do to me? He was originally, Dusty told me, that they were going to backbump me into the pen with the bull. But when the people at the fair said the bull might stab her and kill her, they're like, well, I guess we better not do that. I guess we'll just throw her in the water cup instead. But I billed them for my outfit and my shoes, and they paid it. So that was kind of cool.
1: You know what's amazing is some of the stuff that was done on live TV as a rib was really strong.
2: Yeah, and everybody talked about it. And they thought it was the coolest thing. Me getting thrown in the water trough, and I'm like, I'm glad you did. I didn't. But, you know,
1: whatever. The I mean, thing is, now, now if you did something like that, there'd be lawsuits. There'd be all kinds of uproar about it. Back then, you oh didn't. yeah,
2: oh yeah, you couldn't do anything like that.
1: Yeah, it's like somebody did something to your bag. You actually blame yourself. I shouldn't have left my bag there. Right. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> I, was I like, think how dare Terry they?
2: Gordy put a loogie in my wallet one time. I'm not sure if it was him or not, but I think it
1: was. Yeah. So you I had issues. You had issues with the Freebirds.
2: right, they—they they, I love them though. I loved them. They didn't like me that much, I guess. But yeah, I think it was him. I'm not sure. He was the only one that had like you know the <laughs> chewing the stuff. So i'm not sure i'm not i can't but i just i just wiped it out went and threw it away didn't say anything i didn't go upward because i knew if i if i made a stink about it oh my gosh because they did um they put padlocks all over my rental car one time <laughs> i don't know who that was i think it was michael
3: <laughs> that i think like it was that michael. michael do yeah yeah because the pad- the I remember the- it started
2: to rain and I turned on the windshield wipers and they were going clanky 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 I was like what the hell and then another time they padlocked a folding chair to my duffel bag uh-huh. and I had to go to the airport and put it I mean you couldn't do it nowadays but I put it on the x-ray machine I got to the gate the gate there was a lot of people at the gate so I just opened up the chair and sat in it I mean heck I have a folding uh-huh. chair why not sit in it right uh-huh. and I took it took it back to Atlanta. When I got to Atlanta, I took it by the fire department and they cut it off for me with, with with cutters. (laughs) Oh yeah. I got ribbed a lot. I got ribbed a lot. I look back on it now at the time I felt like, why are they picking on me? You know, but now I look back on it and I'm like, that was really funny. That was really some fun stuff.
1: Yeah. The padlocks were the always present rib. If you ever could find a padlock, you always found a place to put it.
2: It. yeah exactly
3: don't don't you exactly. kind of feel sorry for the all these high school coaches that was in charge of the locker room to, to oh my that, gosh uh, one of the organizations come in for a spot show in a high school every lock that wasn't locked and some of them that were locked you had guys that could actually pick those locks uh, of little rolling padlocks that they had on locker room and take all the lockers off the next day the coach comes in coach i don't have a lock for my locker and it, <laughs> There's not a locker on a lock on any of these lockers. <laughs> 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 that had, had to be something there.
2: Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, it was probably the free birds.
1: <laughs> that was the worst. You, you, get a, you get a padlock put on your bag and you, you gotta carry the dang thing forever to Exactly. 000. Until you
2: get to a fire department where they have the cutters, you know. You're <laughs> That's stuck right.
1: With it. <laughs> you I I could just see
3: you at a fire department, an attractive young lady, like you walked in with the, a <laughs> padlock on. How, how did she get that padlock exactly? I know, <laughs> I know. I just told them
2: it was a joke. You know, they padlocked the chair to my Louis Vuitton. It's a joke.
1: <laughs> it, the worst part was when you had like six or seven of them though. Exactly. You know, I've seen that. In. I
2: only had that done to my car. Like the car, each the it was a rental car too. Each um, door handle had a padlock on it, and the windshield wipers had a padlock. I don't know what else was padlocked, but I think that was the only thing padlocked. But I've seen bags, somebody walking in with a bag with like six, seven padlocks on it. That's funny. That's funny yeah. stuff. I'm as so funny It's funny,
3: funny. As, as long as it's not your
1: bag.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. As long as it's not mine. But I know where to go now. I just go to the fire department,
1: you know. Yeah. I I hit Al Snow one time in a car. You know, I was driving behind him and, you know, I used to hit on the road, I hit Al Snow in a car, you know, just ribbing him. And we pull up to a toll booth, we're up in Canada, and he puts it in reverse and just rams me. And he told me later he was trying to hit me hard enough to knock the airbag out. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. He's like ramming me, and I'm stuck in there, and I can't do anything. And the guy in the toll booth, poor guy, just wants to get money. He didn't want, he didn't right, want to he crash him care, up derby in yeah. his thing. <laughs> but,
2: the things we did to rent-a-cars back
1: then. Oh, my gosh. I remember
2: Tommy Rich one time. <laughs> we stopped and we had a rent-a-car, a small rent-a-car. We were going somewhere. This is when we worked for WCW, and Eddie and him bought beer and bought ice. They didn't have a, they didn't have a cooler to put the ice in. They just put it in the trunk and put the beer in it. I'm like
3: Maybe you're we'll gonna pop- get that
2: rent-a-car back with nothing but water in the trunk? Ah, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know. Okay.
3: Tommy, Tommy was barred from Budget Rent-a-Car ever renting a car from Budget Rent-a-Car. Uh, uh, after the deal uh, uh, when we were running uh, Ohio, Michigan, and West Virginia, that's at, at the time where uh, I ran over Tommy. I mean, he, had, he had totaled three Lincoln Continentals in like a period of like six weeks. Oh my God. Total, not wrecked them, but totaled to them.
2: Totally.
3: <laughs> total.
2: And those and they, things were big back then. They had the big running, big
3: They were tanks
2: tanks going down the road i can't believe you could total one let alone three that's amazing
3: Roll, well when the last one he rode and unfortunately uh, nobody was injured in any of them but he totaled about he, he you know the barrels on the side of the road you know construction zones they weren't safe with tommy rich driving <laughs> one them. <over. laughs> <laughs> So he deserved being run over,
1: John. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh.
2: Do up the barrels. Okay.
1: Barry Wyndham Barry taught me how to. We, we'd hit somebody in the car, and they threw a rock out, hit our hood, and put a big dent in our hood. You know, of course, we're going 70 miles an hour when all this happens. You know, and then, you know, tell me about this, they, they have a hard time believing you, but it, it's true. So we, I go to turn it in, and we got this huge dent in the hood. And I, thought, I said, Barry, what are we going to do? he goes oh don't worry about it kid he goes turn it in wet they'll never see it <laughs> the, old vet, the old vet telling me so we went to a wash and kind of washed off the where he scrubbed up the paint and we turned right. it was wet and you couldn't really see it because it was wet <laughs> that's why you ride with a vet yeah
0: you'll, you'll learn
1: you'll learn <laughs> a lot to something a lot like that i mean you guys were trouble mr briscoe well, you
3: know, and I, I often wonder, do, what course did these guys take that, that took all these, uh, did all these ribs? I mean, is there a rib course in life that you, you can, <laughs> a male-led order like the old uh, Charles Atlas weightlifting deal? You know, you're tired, of, you're tired of getting bullied on the beach or you're tired of getting ribbed in, in a wrestling room? Buy my book and I'll, I'll teach you. And I'll teach you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got to
1: rib everybody.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I
2: pulled a couple of ribs on people. Uh, Tell
3: us, us, Matthew, you you hear hear of all the guys' ribs and everything. Well,
2: the Nasty Boys left me one time at a bar with the bill, and it was like $300. (laughs) So I paid it and I was like, okay, I'll get them back. So the next time we were at a pay-per-view, it was a Clash of the Champions or a pay-per-view. I don't remember which, but I remember I found out what rooms they were in and I went to the restaurant and I ordered everything on the breakfast menu to have it delivered at 6 a.m. So they were talking about somebody 6 a.m. they were bringing us breakfast everything on the yeah you know, they had to pay for it
1: so wow <laughs> you know the way to get a wrestler's room number is when they're they're traveling with their spouse ask the spouse hey are you guys right next to me in 428 and then uh, the room number the the, the spouse will goes no no well, i'm in 314 oh okay sorry <laughs> now <laughs> you got the room great number. One. yeah
2: i'm gonna remember that
1: <laughs> yeah not that i've ever used that or anything Against
2: yeah,
1: the Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> Free, Freebird taught you that, right? That's right. <laughs> the Freebirds were, <laughs> were the absolute best.
2: Oh my gosh. They were bad. I but, love Buddy though. His son, it was so funny because his son was a baby. And this guy, this has been a long time ago. This has probably been like 15 years or so ago. But I went, I was in Chicago at a wrestling show, and this guy comes up to me and he shows me a picture of a baby and me and John. He's like, That's me. I'm Buddy Roberts' son. Wow. I was like, Oh my God. And he's grown up, you know? I mean, he's like probably 40 now, but. Yeah, you know, almost forty probably, but yeah. At the time, it was it was amazing. It was amazing to see that because he was just in diapers and we're holding a baby. But
1: that's me. <laughs> we're thinking there may be some truth to the fact that Tiger King is actually Michael Hayes' son.
3: <gasps> <Ooh. laughs> you never thought of that.
1: Huh? <laughs> no, but that's, okay. yeah. Now you okay. see the resemblance. Can you not see Tiger King moonwalking around a bunch of those animals?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he needs to. Yeah, we need a DNA test that.
1: (laughs) For sure. So, Missy, what what are you doing now? How how do people get hold of you? All that stuff.
2: You can find me on Twitter, Missy Hyatt at Twitter, or Instagram, the real Missy Hyatt at
1: Instagram.
2: And then I do wrestling shows. Like I work for Phoenix Championship Wrestling. I'm going to Lubbock uh, next month. one second, I'll tell you. Oh, I'll be in Phoenix on July 15th. And then Lubbock on the, I got my glasses on, I'm old, you know. <laughs> um, on the 22nd and then Rhode Island, I think it's Warwick for an autograph signing. And then like, I just got a bunch of stuff coming up. A bunch of cool stuff coming up. I'll be so the they can
3: they can they can book you up through those web, uh, through those social media sites or how do they book it?
2: Yeah, yeah, on my social media, on Twitter. Okay. That's the best way to
1: reach me is on Twitter. Awesome, Well, Missy. Thank you so much for for joining us on our show. Thank you for thank the you for
2: having me. You're my favorite
1: show, so now I can say I was thank on you. my favorite show. <laughs> well, you. as soon as I saw you in Dallas, I wanted to wanted to get you on the show because I, I don't know if we. Well, never- thank you. I don't know if we've had a
2: mark out moment when I saw you because I heard that you had said something about me on WWE TV and Vince yelled at you about that like don't ever say her name or something someone told me that they might have just been ribbing me you know I think it was Paul that told me that Paul Lee told me that or something but maybe he's just ribbing me
1: because he knows I'll mark for you to my knowledge it didn't happen but you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know the thing about it is it's not just like concussions or CTE or something. We've done thousands and thousands of shows. You know, it's hard right. to remember yeah. certain things. So when you try to tell remember,
2: people, I can't remember so much stuff. Like I, I'll get the years wrong. That was nineteen ninety three. No, yeah. that was nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, I mean, I get years like really off. So I'm real bad about that.
1: Yeah, but because to us it wasn't important. You know, you're. Right. you're Several cities right in a row, you wrestle the same people, different people, whatever else. You go, Hey, remember that? Yeah, time in Amarillo, remember that time in Louisville? No, I don't. I don't and we, Brian, we got but. we got we got chewed out so many times
3: by that we can't remember specifically which time <laughs> it was. Yeah, the water I, remember, the water. I said
2: ass one time. Um, David Mannon told me to go up there and say that Sunshine's ass is so big when she's told no, her butt's so big that if she's told to haul ass, she's got to make a few trips. I said ass. And it was on the show that's on the on the Christian station, the two hour show that was Saturday night, not the Sunday morning squirratorium show. I came back and he was like, Oh my God, we're gonna get thrown off. I mean, because this was like 1985. So he's like, Oh my god, we're gonna get thrown off TV. You said ass. I was like, You told me to say it. Don't tell me to say something and then I go out there and say it and then it's wrong. You know, I was really defending myself, but he was so thinking we were gonna get thrown off
1: tv for that i said one time that i think i think it was Rakisha. he's got more ass than a donkey farm and all <laughs> all, I, all i heard was that vincent heard me say ass and he goes what did john say and, <laughs> so, and so somebody told him he goes oh that's funny We <laughs> <So, laughs> really, really let funny. it go he Goes oh, that's long as it's not done gratuitously at least as far yeah, as yeah Vincent's yeah yeah i
2: wasn't done bad it was done bad. I don't think it was like bad or anything, but I felt so sorry. I must have gave him a heart attack. I swear to god, I think I gave him a heart attack.
3: But. well, Missy, we hope we run into you sometime and you yeah, you hope have, I hope I run you guys. Too. Maybe maybe we can plan a part two down the line here somewhere.
2: Yeah, okay, sounds good. And I'll have some questions for you then.
3: Okay, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> I got Thank some so questions much. for him.
1: I'm not <laughs> answering. <laughs>
2: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.